Wait for it. Mm-hmm. And... Hmm. You are once again listening to Dan Hates the Beatles. Get on that dance floor. I'm Dan, I hate the Beatles. I'm Josh, I like the Beatles. I don't know what the fuck this is. It's what the kids are into. We were just talking. Are they still into the little glue? Glue? The kids. Like sniffing it? Yeah. Uh, eating it? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I see you're not sniffing a, a Sharpie anymore. Oh, God. This little, this little parts. How does that sound not register is immediately just wacky? It is kind of wacky. Like, there are certain songs like... Certain sounds like on a keyboard or something that mm-hmm. like I've every time I I try it I'm like this is who uses this who <laughs> that was one of them that's one of them I uh, we were just talking because I think I just saw a Facebook post about my niece wanting to go see Billy Eilish and who Dan, that was and and Dan was like oh I've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's, uh, it's well, a girl. In my brain, it gets confused with Billy Idol, which yeah is sure. I was listening to, and you just heard of him too, right? Recently, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was listening to Freedom on the way over here, and they were talking mm. about that, and they yeah. made that connection. But I, I was I was uh, just commenting on this Billy Eilish. I'm not sure how I feel about the person or the group musically. Um, it's kind of a weird. Raspy talk singing, which I'm not a fan of. Um, I'm worried that that's going to become a thing. Yeah, and like, she definitely has an aesthetic. Yeah, like she has like a an image right. of like this. Um, the, the song's called "Bad Guy," and like I'm a bad guy, you know. Um, and but it's like at the same time, like you're like 16 years old, so you don't really. It's a it's a song, but it's just like it's, to to be fair to from what I can tell from the kids these days. Granted, I am exposed to a possibly niche version of what the kids are into. But you're the the expert between the two of us because you are. Uh, I have yeah. You, you work in the uh, schooling industry. I do. We'll say yes. Um, from what I can tell, the music that they're actually into is more like. Like classic rock, like mm. like there, I saw one per, one person listening to like Fleetwood Mac, oh, the Rumors album, and I was like, Are I you barely got pe-? into that just now, right? And or I heard them playing the Smiths Sadly. at lunch, <clears throat> mm. and it was like it was all that kind of stuff, and I was just like, I even at some point said to one of them like. I don't know how I feel about you guys liking music that I like too. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we should not like the same things <laughs> like <Yeah>. generationally. <laughs> yeah. Um I like that we do, but it seems like we're doing our jobs wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um well, That's an interesting point um that I just thought of uh in my head that I'm about to express now which is happen. which is you know, good music uh, holds up it does and kids will listen to it or will hear it and be right. like oh this and so and they didn't need the smiths to be on people magazine every three months right. or rolling stone to release a retrospective of 
uh, Fleetwood Mac every two years, and they didn't need a. Well, maybe they, maybe they did. Maybe they're subscribers to Rolling Stone magazine, <laughs> like and, a, a version of Rolling Stone that we don't see. Yeah. Rolling Stone Teen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so to bring it back <clears throat> to Billie Eilish, I, I think that's how you pronounce her name, or is that the group's? I, don't I think know. Eilish. Um, this sounds like and. I don't hate this song, or this is the one, one of the songs that I've heard. I don't really like it. I don't hate it. I think it's so. I can see why the kids like it. Um, but I think it's very much of its time, and won't be one of those that in twenty years. People, oh God, I hope not. This song will be like, oh yeah. Whereas, <laughs> it might be one of those things where it's just like, this is when everything changed. Yeah, this is, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like this generation's tomorrow only knows or never knows or never dies or whatever the yeah. fuck. Um, whereas I think, and I don't know if you even like, but like something like Sam Smith or Adele, some of their music, I do think is really good music and sort of timeless and like will last. Well, I think Adele, that's, I I might, I haven't, I'm not current on music like at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Adele's, she sang a a 007 song, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. She's singing the Rolling in the Deep song. Right. That's like her whole thing, right? It's like the timeless, like Ella Fitzgerald for her generation. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Maybe. Um, I mean, I I don't mean that in a critical way. Yeah. 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 I have to clarify every time on this fucking show. (laughs) But like, yeah, some things are just. yeah, they're just some things are of its time and sort of, and then some things are like, oh no, this is going to be good in thirty years, I think. Right. Right. Um, anyway, um, welcome to Dan hates the Beatles. Yeah. <clears throat> Speaking of timeless, um, one artist who I have thought would be timeless. This is to follow up on our our cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, I thought this person would be timeless. Yeah. Because um, he is. He had been up to a certain point, mm-hmm. um, and I realize I'm <laughs> I'm not actually denouncing this person like I joked I might before, <laughs> but he has yet to do anything to recover from. This is David Sylvian. He have he has yet to recover from this bullshit. I think there's something wrong with your phone. And when it appeared, it was a flaming book of matches. So you've listened to enough of his stuff to, I think, to get how he's kind of always been on the edge of this, but. He finally went off the deep end and became a fucking charlatan and released an album called Manifon, um, which I hate. Mm. <laughs> I, I love the first track very much, but this is utter horseshit. Oh, no. <laughs> David, I'm, I know you're a listener, and I'm sorry that one of your three fans has turned against you. Your three biggest fans. Yeah. <laughs> I I have bought I bought a I bought a DVD of him not a not a video like a, an audio DVD of him essentially reading fan mail <laughs> for like thirty dollars <laughs> and I was fine with it <laughs> but this shit 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. What about what? What's your cliffhanger? Um, reveal? I think it was songs that I'm genuinely into that might be embarrassing. But right. For me, it's like I mean, I, I, I guess I I admitted the last episode that I find certain Spice Girl songs. Um, I don't know that that's embarrassing though, and I it's think not that like that's I, what it's I'm supposed I, to yeah. be. Um, but I'll read uh, some songs from a playlist on Spotify that it's entitled Josh's Workout Mix. <laughs> oh, yes. So these are songs that I work out to that keep me pumped up. That's good. Uh, the first song is Come and Get It by Selena Gomez. Okay. Uh, followed by Wrecking Ball from Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Hell yeah. I'm seeing a trend here. Uh, but then it shifts. Okay. Hearts on Fire from the Rocky Four soundtrack. That's pretty good pump-up music. Uh, a couple of more Rocky uh, soundtrack songs. Yeah. Well, that with that, you're just living your Rocky life. Yeah. But then it ch- t- takes another harsh left uh, into M.I.A. Are you familiar with... Uh, she's a rapper from, like, Sri Lanka. No. But she, she, um, her song, you might know, is like, All I want to do is click, clack, clack, clack. And there's like a sound effects and take your money. It's paper. I don't know. It's Feel free to make that a ringtone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, here I go to um, Higher from Creed. Oh. Uh, a song called Breathe by Nickelback. Oh, yes. And then just like any Creed and Nickelback fan, I uh, seamlessly transition into A Perfect Circle, Judith. Um, Hell yeah! Uh, perfect circle, the outsider. Perfect circle, the package. So, what's your relationship like with No Doubt? I had their um, album that had "Don't Speak" on it. I liked the, several songs from that album. I th- that's Tragic Kingdom, right? Tragic Kingdom. Okay. Yes, I, I liked. I had a lot of songs from that album. Okay. Other than that album, um, well, they didn't really make anything after that. It was most, mostly just like Gwen Stefani on her own. Right. They had that. one before it that I actually pretty much liked i didn't really get into that album i should look into it but. it's it's not worth it. Okay. it it's for the time it was i i didn't know what the fuck ska was yeah and i turn it on and i'm like oh shit horns yeah and i thought oh wow this is it's, it was basically just me hearing ska for the first time and yeah being dazzled by it and yeah. then later realized that it's fucking embarrassing. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's very, Sorry. Yeah. It's very dorky. I, there are people that I respect a lot that enjoy ska, but I, it's, it's where we divert, my friends. <laughs> they have a thing called skanking. They skank. They, yes. Which is like the dance that you do at a ska show. You skank. Why don't they just call it scansing? Uh, I guess skanking sounds cooler. Sounds gross. It does. Um, anyway, uh, so there you go. Those are a few songs from my extensive playlist of working out, <laughs> where you can find things such as Selena Gomez, The Perfect Circle, and Creed all in the same place. Oh, with the little Bill Conti. I'm trying. Rocky. I'm trying to think of the that song from Over the Top. Oh God, Meet you're the best halfway. around. Oh, that's Karate Kid. Oh, is it, is it the Karate Kid? Yep. Karate oh Kid. shit. Uh, over the top, a song about uh, a movie about an arm wrestler. I mean, <laughs> such I lo- a great movie. I love that movie. Has there been a movie about? <laughs> well, has there been even a script written about arm wrestling since before? <laughs> what I love about that movie is he's an arm wrestler, but he also is a trucker because you, you know you can't you pay the bills, assist, right? Yeah, and he <laughs> rigs this machine in his truck that's like this complicated. 
<laughs> system of pulleys and levers. Yeah. So he can get his so he can get his, 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 his one arm workout. And that movie uh, also filmed partially in my hometown of Claremont, California. Nice. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. I love it. Great town. Um. Okay. Uh, let's. Uh, there's so many tangents I can go on. Uh, oh, but while we're still kind of here, if you ever, if you're ever lost for good workout music, death metal. Like, oh, yeah. seriously, like the most violent fucking death metal shit. Try it. Stay away from like the white supremacist stuff that they fold into that. But like, really? like uh, three inches of blood. Okay. <laughs> fucking love that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll rock some Mudvayne, um, which is I don't know death metal, but it's heavy metal, right? Of, or hard rock, maybe um, some Slipknot. I'll do that every now and again. Okay. <clears throat> Speaking of Slipknot and Mudvayne, let's jump back into the predecessors, which was, of course, the Beatles, where right. all music came from. Yes, they they birthed them all. Yeah. Uh, we left off on Yellow Submarine. <laughs> <laughs> Taken back to it all. Yeah. <laughs> Ringo Starr's favorite dream. Yeah. Uh, his, his, <laughs> a, a song don't, that could handle his limited vocal range. Guys, don't or, don't send him anything to be signed because he will not sign it. How do you know? <laughs> you haven't seen that video or heard it? No. Oh, the Ringo Starr Peace and Love video. I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Oh shit! Okay, that's I'll I'll send you a link. Nice. And yeah, <laughs> it's so great. Basically, he's talking about how, and he says, and he keeps saying, peace and love, peace and love, almost like he's, it's almost like he's soothing himself or calming himself down or like he needs to say it. <laughs> and a it mantra. Right, right. And, he, and he's like, if you send me anything to be signed after this date, I will not sign it. It will be returned with peace and love promptly. Like, he's clearly very bothered and upset that people like still send him shit. <laughs> And, and Benny is like, peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> it's so great. It's like, oh, Ringo. <laughs> that's why I say, I really hope he's okay. <laughs> you and your rings. I'm telling you, he's going to be the last to go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I hope so. Okay. Um, we'll just briefly touch on this song, She Said, She Said, real quick. So some good guitar work. It's, it's it sounds like uh, Austin Powers kind of, yeah. you know, like, and it is what it is from that period. Yeah. Okay, moving on. <laughs> That's just kind of a, you know, it's a fine song, but yeah, not moving you, not moving me, whatever. <clears throat> it might be someone's favorite song out there. It's yeah. got to be. You know, you, you got to you got to think that every single song that they recorded. I think every every song that everyone recorded has the potential to be someone's... I guess every song in existence is someone's yeah. favorite song. Right. And it's weird to think that, like, you know, a band like, I don't know, Alien Ant Farm is somebody's favorite <laughs> band, which is like, not to dig at them, but it's just yeah. like, they've never... like It's just a random band that's right. like not... Never really rose above, like, mediocrity. Right. Like, their, their famous, most famous song is, like, uh, the Michael Jackson cover of Oh, yeah, okay. Annie, Are You Okay, that song. Or, like, someone's chomping at the bit for White Town's next release. Right. <laughs> White Town. What a, yeah, that's just, like, that's, whose favorite band is White Town? That, you know who that is, right? I love that one song that they have. Have you listened to anything from the rest nope. of the album? I, you need to. Actually, I might have tried, but I don't know. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's so fucking fast. It's it's a 
I, I, I'm going to give the White Town Challenge to everybody. Try listening to that album. Because <laughs> dare you, your woman, <laughs> your woman is a is a great song. Right. right. Um, that I well, I, I think so. But yeah, it's just. These, these random bands truth and advertising is is not a thing with that album okay. <laughs> moving on to uh a more popular beatles track poplar poplar let's not go down that rabbit hole again <laughs> um here is a song called good day sunshine oh Mm-hmm. I should point out in the positive that they're doing that every quarter note thing on the piano, but they do a rolly. So that gives me hope. Okay. Um, look, guys, I have. And girls, ladies and gentlemen, I have a really complicated relationship with positivity, as I'm sure is not <laughs> in any way a surprise. Um, so this song is very I, just happy, yeah, go lucky, and you have an, an issue with that. It okay? It's a well-produced song. The harmonies are good. The piano fills are good. There's a lot good here. Um, I just... Mm. I mm-hmm. picture someone like, playing this song in the morning as I go, Wake up, sleepyhead! And I want to punch that person. <laughs> I... Um, so, I don't know what the Love and the Spoonful is. That must be a band? That's a band, yeah. Um, Good Day Sunshine was McCartney's attempt to emulate the Love and Spoonful. Uh, Paul McCartney was the band's culture maven at the time, absorbing work. Key change here. That's yep. fun. At the end at of the, the song. Very end, yeah. Yep. Uh, so, McCartney was the maven. Another. What, whoever wrote this Rolling Stone article had a thesaurus laying around and it's just. I thought he was the walrus. <laughs> I am the maven. Um, <laughs> absorbing works of the theater, avant-garde music, classical compositions, and contemporary acts like the Love and Spoonful. Good Day Sunshine was me trying to write something similar to Daydream, McCartney said. Well, let's look up Daydream, Daydream then. Love and Spoonful. I'll find it. Don't worry about it, baby boy. It's loving... I'm looking at it, something else. Love um, and Spoonful of ass. <laughs> what? Yeah, I... Uh, on top of the unique relationship with positivity, it just it sound if you put that song in like a Sesame Street album, I'd be like, This is one of yeah. the best Sesame Street songs ever. Yeah. I get it. Here's Daydream. What a day for a So, yeah, it's in that same musical family as, like, Dock of the Bay. 
I don't know that if I don't know that if you take Good Day Sunshine outside of the culture and I hear it with those ears, I wouldn't have a better response to it. But again, we don't live in that reality. Sure. Well, I'm that reality because <laughs> I don't have it. And I can tell you right. that, that that Good Day Sunshine doesn't really do much for me. Okay. That's it's actually sh- good to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a song. It's like, you know, eh, it's like, it's yeah, it's positive. Um, but... Um, nothing really moving musically about it for me like there's like there's no, there's no great melody in there that really it's you know it's a i guess a little bit catchy but um there's a lot to it that's likable i mean it, i honestly it's just it does it kind of just passes by me it's you know what let's just pass by the song okay let's not spend any All more right. time than right. we need to um and this might be another one that we pass on by and your bird can sing um i don't remember this really moving me either Oh, yeah, that's right. Sing. This one. Oh, yeah. Who wrote this one? This is a Lennon one, right? Let me see. Because. Written primarily by Lennon. Right. So when I did my musical math of, like, McCartney tends to overly romanticize love songs yeah. and love in general Lennon's whole take really seems to be like if I'm not if you're not paying absolute attention to me then you're stupid and I don't like you mm. and I might burn your shed down or something <laughs> like, burn your like, down. like, like it, he's such a fucking egomaniac like I'm not saying all of his songs I, I have actually I think there are a couple songs of his that I have liked but there's this vibe that he brings to writing some songs that it's just like, fucking get over yourself, dude. Well, then you're not going to like what, what uh, Wikipedia says about it. Oh, um, God. Is this a song about murder again? Let's see. Well, this is someone else's words. These aren't from the Fab Four themselves. But, oh, okay. Um, Riley describes the composition as a shaded put-down in the style of Dylan's Positively Fourth Street whereby Lennon sings to someone who has seen seven wonders, yet is unable to empathize with him and his feelings of isolation. According to Gould, the song was recorded at, was, was directed at Frank Sinatra after Lennon had read a, had read a hagio, hagiographic article, Jesus Christ, my brain's getting to work out, on the singer, an Esquire magazine, uh, in which Sinatra was lauded as the fully emancipated male, the man who can have anything he wants. I'm not sure... I'm not really connecting those dots, but Hagia, what was the word? Hagia what? Hagiographic. Okay, I'll look that up while you do this. I can quickly do it. Hold on. Okay. Well, I'm just saying. You know what? I like to do things before you do for some reason. <laughs> um, the biography, the bio, the biography of a saint or a what? ecclesiastical leader. Um, so like, so someone wrote, just like a, a, a flattering. It's a, it's oh, oh, okay, okay. So he read, he read a flatical article on Frank Sinatra, and and uh, I don't know. I don't know what So why he's like, fuck that guy, I'm better? Maybe, or I have no idea. I don't want to read too much into that. Um, What was that song called? I don't think I've said yet on this episode that John Lennon's a monster. Mm. 
John Lennon? Yeah. Of the Beatles? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting take. <laughs> Uh, and your bird. Okay, you know what? Let's move past because that song's not really doing. Anything I mean, there's me. there's stuff to it that that there's something going on in the in the guitar that reminds me of someone else that ends up doing that somewhat more effectively. But I can't think of it for some reason. I want to like throw Bell and Sebastian in there, but I could it could be just a minor stroke that I'm having right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's it. I don't. It's there's nothing loathsome about it other than it, the whole egomania thing. Sure, yeah. All Musically, right. it's fine. It's fine. Let's move on. For no one. Your day breaks. Your mind aches. You find that all her words of kindness linger on when she no longer needs you. She wakes up. She da, makes da, up. Da. She takes this is McCartney, right? Doesn't feel she has to hurry. She no longer needs you. And in her eyes, you see nothing. I'm assuming, yep. No yeah. sign of love behind the tears. Very nice I, melody on this one, as yeah. far as the stuff that I appreciate. Well, and as far as the stuff that I appreciate, the way they mic'd the piano is really, it's either wrong or interesting on purpose again I'll err on giving giving them credit for doing it on purpose it's like it sounds muffled and like weird and distant and there's a nice flugelhorn in there um I think it's a flugelhorn French horn same fucking thing (laughs) might be I don't know it's not I don't know um the cracks are starting to show everyone (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and I, I like that they're playing it like a harpsichord. Like it sounds, it yeah. has a harpsichordy sort of yeah. feel to it. And I think, I th- even think there's a moment where I think they recorded it in two passes. <laughs> so this is what I focus on. <laughs> Everything comes together nicely. And here's, here's the part where that nice convergence of elements happens. I think that's missing from the first couple albums who's the beatles and smell of the beatles uh-huh. i think that on those they didn't have a lot of a load to blow but like they kind of blew it all at once where it's like hey here's here's everything that you're gonna hear all at once where this what they're doing more what are you doing <laughs> we're doing what what's happening more here is like a slow reveal of like here's this element here's another element and they're separate and then they come together and that's fucking that's proper proper music making proper some interesting notes about uh this song um was inspired by McCartney's relationship with English actress Jane Asher him and those actresses yeah, he likes uh, the he likes the actresses uh, I, hope, I hope he finds himself a nice woman to settle down with. I hope so. Nice boy like that. Yeah. Deserves a nice nice lady. I can set him up with somebody, maybe. All right. Along with Good Day Sunshine, which similarly dispensed with guitar parts for Harrison and Lennon, <laughs> Rodriguez, who again, I don't know who this Rodriguez <laughs> person is. you notice the absence of a guitar. Cites the track as an example of McCartney eschewing the group dynamic when recording his songs, a trend that would prove unpopular with his bandmates in later years. Uh, McCartney recorded the piano. He played the piano, the bass, and the clavichord. 
Maybe that's yeah. Yeah, they're I think they're related. Um, accompanied by Star and the drums and percussion, and then the French horn solo was added by Alan Civil, a principal horn player for the Philharmonia Philharmonia Orchestra. Philharmonic. Philharmonia. Philharmonia. Um, and so here's a little thing about that. McCartney almost came to blows with this guy. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, according to the Rolling Stone article, I'll go John uh, in on you. <laughs> I'll leave you flat. You play that French horn. A sad act. I like the inconsistency of our Beatles impersonations. <laughs> yeah. What? Just complete inconsistency. What are you talking about? <laughs> Reminds me of the scene that we did that just became about our accents merging. And oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um,. A sad aspect of coming within the Beatles' orbit was that sometimes the one appearance you might have made on an album of theirs could overshadow everything else you did. Beatles fans, Beatles fans know the name of Alan Civil for the French horn solo and McCartney's exquisite for no one, this song. But there was far more to this musical artist. Civil was sufficiently valued in classical circles that he would eventually be appointed an OBE. Obi-Wan Kenobi? Uh, yeah. What the hell's an OBE? Orchestra... It's like a surgeon. Bass... Obstetrician. Executive. Uh, he'd turn up later for the orchestra, orchestral crescendos... Optometrist. ...on the day in the life, but Civil was a master of Mozart works in particular. He also was someone who nearly lost it with Paul McCartney. Um, all right, let's get to the good shit. <laughs> all, that, all that shit about... I was like, I don't care. Okay. He turned into an oboe. Paul didn't realize how, brilliant, how brilliantly Alan Civil was doing, George Martin said. We got the definitive performance, and Paul said, Well, okay, I think you can do it better than that, can't you, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's almost a compliment sandwich. <laughs> I mean, normally, he's a man who's a professional. He, he plays in a, the Philharmonia Orchestra. God damn it. A renowned musician. And you know, normally someone's like you know doesn't hold a candle, but he's a beetle. So yeah, it's like yeah. Here's I mean, like is that all you got, man? Really? <laughs> are you a beetle? <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, are, are you done warming up? Can you actually yeah, do it yeah, for real yeah. this time? I think so. I've sus- I have suspected, and I I I hope I have proved myself to be an honest dealer here. That like, but I I suspect that this is. Maybe the album where we, the Beatles and I meet up in a really good place mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, I got something for you. And, and I, I suspect that this kind of shit is what makes the next stuff very difficult for me, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure. <laughs> Let's not crystal ball thing. Yeah. 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 So after you said that, Alan nearly exploded, says the article. Of course he didn't do it better than that. And the way we'd already heard it was the way you hear it now. <laughs> Uh, sparking, oh, sorry, speaking in Mark Lewis Stone's The Complete Beatles recording session, Civil is diplomatic and unfazed. For me, it was just another day's work in the third session that day, in fact, but it was very interesting. <laughs> this condescending prick. Yeah. Do it better. Fuck it, I'll just have Ringo do it. Yeah. <laughs> Ringo's just out in the corner eating paste. Yeah. <laughs> With a tambourine on his head. <laughs> <laughs> well, for some reason, I'm picturing Ringo like full on Winnie the Pooh into a, a, a jar, giant jar of honey. <laughs> of honey. How about glue? Or glue. Yeah. <laughs> 
clue is Ringo's honey. Yeah. <laughs> no pants. No pants. <laughs> Ass up and some, some glue. Uh, <laughs> it's been dumped into a bass drum. <laughs> I'm sure he's a very skilled musician. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on. Um, paging Dr. Robert. Oh, God. He's the Dr. Man. Yeah, he's the Dr. Man. This is a John Lennon song, isn't it? Yes. Right. Although McCartney has since claimed co-authorship. The reason I said that is I, I'm noticing another trend with Lennon, and this could be completely wrong, but I feel like he hears someone write a song like Taxman, and then once, and then feels like, oh, oh, I need to write a song about a character too, <laughs> or, you know, like or, or, and Eleanor Rigby, like. Or possibly this album was going to be like every, every song is a character or something. Maybe it, yeah. I, it, it feels like it feels like either a scrapped idea that could have been interesting if they like applied a character to every song, almost like Pink Floyd did with Animals or Suits, shit, whatever the fuck. Um, Because he kind of, or or it's just John. Le- it could be any number of things, but I suspect that it's that scenario, or possibly like John Lennon hearing those two songs and going, you know, character song too. Because he kind of did the same thing with Girl uh, in response to Michelle. Again, I don't know if the chronology is there. I could be wrong. Yeah. But just to my ears, that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing John Lennon being a dick again. So, at first I was thinking that, you know, Dr. Robert's just obviously a metaphor for drugs right. of some sort, which has been done a lot, um, but they're probably one of the first people to do it, or among the first. They created drugs. Yeah. They invented drugs. Well, singing about them in in a metaphorical sense. But apparently, and I'm going to disprove your, your argument here, okay, there, was a re- there was a real Dr. Robert. Ah. Okay. Dr. Robert was the first Beatles cut to uh, overtly cover drugs, with the titular doctor being one Dr. Robert Freeman, who ran a NYC clinic. I was the one who carried the pills on tour, Lennon said in a David Shelf's All We Are Saying. The thinking being that you could get them from the likes of Freeman, also dubbed the Great White, the Great White Father. And yet, the Beatles' first out-in-the-open song about drugs is also, according to Paul McCartney, in many years, a parody. John and I thought it was a funny idea, the, fan- the fantasy doctor who would fix you up by giving you drugs. It's just a piss take. As far as, and as far as I know, neither of us ever went to a doctor for those kinds of things. But there was a fashion for it, and there still is. Change your blood and have a vitamin shot, and you'll feel better. Whatever. Right. So I, I think I, what, I would, what I would say for this is, I don't know where this lands to like your average Beatles fan. Like... I don't know if it's like considered a precious song at all. If it, if it so. is, then like I have some issues with that. But it, I don't think it does. It I, is, I've never heard of it right. before today or before this uh, album. I, yeah, if this is anyone's like deep cut favorite, like you, you're wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I mean, as a, like it's like they said, a piss take. Sure, whatever. 
Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of their handful of whatever songs, or for you, a um, truck full of whatever songs. But for me, it's like a handful of like those songs are like, eh, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Songs that that's great, it's but terrible. again, they're they're sort of this is an album that's structured like an, a U two album so far, where it's like front loaded. Sure. <laughs> so okay. so maybe they were influential in that way. Hey, U two so heard ways. that and they're like, no, let's put all the good stuff up front. Yeah. <laughs> I want to tell you, Dan. Yes. About this next song. Yeah. It's called "I Want to Tell You." Ooh. Fades in. Mm. That fucking piano. It's killing me. I never noticed it. But then they, when they do that, uh, then. Talk about some nuance, baby. Change up that piano, right? So to my ear, that that tells me that's it's again. I'm just this is just my ear. It's telling me that either they're aware that this is a tendency of theirs and they're breaking it on purpose, or a handful of other possibilities. Yeah, I think breaking that pattern is useful. I think it's telling that I haven't even thought about the lyrics to this song. Mm, yeah. You know, so for me, that's like... It's a Harrison it's working. lyric. It's what? Harrison wrote the oh, lyrics. They let him do another one. Yeah. I wonder if he... Did he like mow the lawn or something? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just picturing... Harrison, George, I almost said Harrison Ford, George Harrison <laughs> bringing home his grades or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to Paul and John. Yeah, yeah, instead of going to the Chuck E. Cheese, they... <laughs> Give him a song. They, they unlock, they hand him the keys to the the, the studio. Uh, prominent backing, backing vocals from Lennon and McCartney include Indian-style gamak ornamentation and McCartney's high harmony. Similar to the melisma effect used in I Love You Too. I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, I'm not... I mean, I can hear the high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess that's... Uh, and it get, that's where the ADT uh, security system comes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Please sponsor us. Like... All right. We need a sponsor. Well, there you go. So that's... I mean, if, if nothing else... Very something, uh, v- something very different with that piano, like doing yeah. the the whatever the the off chord. Yeah, I can't. Off note. I can't. I can't fault them for that. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. It did. They did lose me on that the initial use of it, but when I heard that, it's like okay, that's fine. Okay, I'll forgive them just this once. Just this once. Um. Not necessarily in this song, but a four-neck sweater was partially responsible for the album's distinctive drum sound. Um, so I guess he he moved the bass drum microphone much closer to the drum than had been done before. And then uh, there's an early picture of the Beatles wearing a woolen jumper with four necks. <laughs> somebody somebody stuffed that inside is. the drum to deaden the sound. 
then they put the sound through a Fairchild 600 valve limiter and compressor. Oh yeah. So I yeah making was, use of some shit lying around the studio. What I was hearing. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> yeah, if you studio, studio fuckery. I'm all for it. Yeah. I love it. Toss some V necks in there and and see what uh see what comes out. Okay. Let's. This this is I I think what I'm where I'm really liking this album is this is this is the the studio fuckery album and I you can kind of or at least I can kind of hear them f- feeling that creative energy and feeling free and free as a bird so to speak. It's like every every album they get more and more control of the studio right. and they're getting more and more uh, confident in the studio and in this one it feels like a fun thing like like it, it's almost like it, it reminded me a lot of uh, again. I'm going back to Brian. You know, uh, his taken Ti- Tiger Mountain by Strategy album, <laughs> where like you can just hear him saying "fuck it, let's just try this" yeah. throughout the entire album. Yeah. By the way, I guess we should bring up that the album cover, the album artwork, is by Klaus Vormann, a pal of the band from Hamburg. Um, he drew the members of the band from memory and then, um, he got paid 40 pounds and then I'll show you what it looked. It went on to win the Grammy for best album cover. Is that a thing that still happens? Those Grammys like art. Best album cover. Here's what it looks like. Yeah. I mean, probably for the time. It's like a high schooler's drawing of the Beatles. You can like find those in someone's notebook. I think that for the time, combined with like who they were and what the other albums were, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's fine. Yeah, it looks like some Dada shit. Okay, we're gonna I get like you. Uh, are we gonna uh, get on to the next song again? That guy's a monster too. What? Hmm? <laughs> Someone else on your hit list? Uh, Lindsey Graham. Oh yeah, he's yeah. a piece of shit. Yeah, sorry, Lindsay. I know you're listening, but you know, stop being a piece of shit. Stop being a piece of shit. All right, or you can also sponsor us, or that. <laughs> like you, we will fold <laughs> we will, on all of our principles. You know, if it means more I'll start money. Loving the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just like you, man. Just, we could change the podcast to Dan loves Lindsey Crank. <laughs> yeah, right. Talking about the most manly senator there is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some hornage. I was alone. I took a ride. I didn't know what I would find. Mm. Got, got to get you into my life is the name of this track. It's a McCartney one, right? I don't know this stuff off the top of my head. I'm just guessing based on what I'm hearing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's that over romanticization thing. Which again, I'm. It's fine. <laughs> That's what love songs are. I do like the uh, melody when it changes from the you know into the ooh kind yeah. of those like minor chordy. Right. I like that. I like that it's a cel- It's like a celebratory love song. It's like a yeah. It's like it's ooh. it's almost like the flip side of she loves you. Like that's kind of. It's like the feeling that maybe they were hoping to elicit in that dude. Yeah. Um, the, the elephant in the room for me, though, is the horns, because um, uh, Tijuana Brass is a thing that's happening at the same time. I don't know what that is. Um, the, if you were to hear Tijuana Brass, you would totally, you'd be like, oh, 60s horns. 
like the dating dating game theme song. Oh, they did yeah. that, you know. Derivative is that what you would call it? No, I just think that that's what was happening at the time. You know, I don't think that I don't think it's like, hey, we're gonna get the. I, I think it's just it was in the air at the time. You know. Well, or, according or, to or Riley, is it derivative? <laughs> according to Riley, uh, I forgot who Riley is. One of the engineers, Riley Martin, or one of the people producing. Uh, he des- he describes it as the album's most derivative cut. It was influenced by the Motown sound and written by McCartney after he had seen Stevie Wonder, the bad man, <laughs> perform at the Scotch of St. James nightclub. The horn players on the track included members of Georgie Fame's group, The Blue Flames. Um, they put the microphones in the bells of the bass instruments, and the signals were heavily limited huh. to get some kind of sound. Interesting. And then also, um, a month later, a tape copy of these horn parts was superimposed with a slight delay, thereby doubling the presence of the brass contributions. Ooh, those clever fuckers. Mm-hmm. Just think about that. Think about that uh, process. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know. It, I don't, and I don't mean to say anything about Tijuana Brass like as a negative. It's just someone, someone who, for whatever reason, has honestly listened to more Tijuana Brass than I have to the Beatles. <laughs> so that's very telling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Tijuana Brass. <laughs> um then that's just immediately where my brain goes when I hear those horns and the way it's arranged and everything. It's like, ah, yeah. Tijuana Brass. Um, it's, but the song itself is great. And it, it, yeah, it, that's interesting that Stevie Wonder is a influence because I, that's kind of where I went yeah. with it. So that uh, means it worked. Also, uh, it, it is, they, they talk about the love songy vibe, but um, McCartney described the lyric, the lyric, um, I'm guessing the lyrics as an ode to pot. It's like, oh God. <laughs> so, well, go. it's like how they spell color differently. It's, sure, it's sure, one of sure. those things, the lyric. lyric. Yeah. All right. We're, we're uh, uh, down to the last song. Okay. Uh, Tomorrow Never I'm just Knows. telling you, Josh, get ready. Okay. Well, <laughs> before we listen to it, I'm going <laughs> to read all the trivia I can. That's from... a really good idea. Okay. I, I have, I have, you're gonna, you're gonna need to like rein me in after oh, this. No. <laughs> oh no! Okay, so uh, hold on, hold on now. The bird sounds on this track came from Paul McCartney's Sonic Laboratory. <laughs> um, so that happened. Just imagining him as Doctor Frankenstein. <laughs> it's, it's alive. alive. <laughs> uh, yeah, one of the stranger sounds on the album is a seagull on Tomorrow Never Knows. Uh-huh. However, the band didn't take a trip to the seaside to record the distinctive noise, but instead distorted the sound of Paul McCartney laughing to himself. <laughs> that's that's what that is. Nice. Okay. The lyrics on Tomorrow Never Knows were based on drugs pioneer Timothy Leary, Richard Alpert, and Ralph Metzner's The Psychedelic Experience, a manual based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which was itself based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Also Dennis Leary's father. Um, I don't know if The song also uh, features backwards recordings, just like I'm Only Sleeping. Um, Rodriguez, who again, uh, this is an author, I don't know. Describes Lennon's Tomorrow Never Knows as the greatest leap 
into the future of the Beatles' recording career up to this point. Mm-hmm. The recording includes the reverse guitar, processed vocals, and looped tape effects, accompanying a strongly syncopated, repetitive drum beat. Uh, as was previously mentioned, Leonard adapted those lyrics from that psychedelic book, um, which equates the realizations brought about through LSD with the spiritually enlightened state achieved through meditation. Originally recorded as Mark I, or maybe Mark the First, the eventual or title, Marky. yeah, Marky Mark. The eventual title came via a Ringo Starr malaprism. Hmm. Um, I guess Ringo Starr said shit all the time that was like i guess Ringo's, it's all the pace ringo was also like ringo was i think was like a yogi Berra of <laughs> of the beatles like he would say weird things and they would be like what so i guess i guess he said tomorrow the oracle ringo starts the wacky oracle of the beatles yeah <laughs> so lennon intended the track as an evocation of tibetan buddhist ceremony the song's harmonic structure is derived from indian music and it's based on a high volume c drone played a high-volume C drone played by Harrison on a tambura. Over the, I said it with a Spanish accent. I don't know how tambura. Over the foundation of... Tambura. Over the foundation there of tambura, bass and drums, the five tape loops comprise various manipulated sounds, which include two separate sitar passages played backwards and sped up, an orchestra, an orchestra sounding a B-flat chord, McCartney's laughter sped up to resemble a seagull's cry, and a Mellotron. You know what a Mellotron is? Uh, hold on. Look it up, but don't say it. Oh. I think it's a music. It's a it's a musician. It's a musical instrument where each key hits a running tape thing. Like what it looks like. Oh, okay. That's uh, I'm thinking of something else entirely. It's an electromechanical polyphonic tape replay keyboard. Oh, it's a David Bowie. It's a Bowie. Uh, uh, Polyphonic spree. It's th- it's the space oddity sound. Now that we've triviated it to death, let's just listen to it. All right. I do love me some studio fuckery, but you know what I love more than studio fuckery, Josh? What's that, Daniel? Fucking tape loops. Is that what's going on here? That's that's what's going on. I love tape loops. Mm. I might hate the Beatles, but I love tape loops. And they're, they're using tape loops here. I love tape loops more than I hate the Beatles. What is a tape loop, for those who do not know? A tape loop is a loop of uh, determined... Oh, I fucking shit. love this shit. Yeah. It's just, I... If you've gleaned enough of my musical taste and the kind of stuff that I've fucked around with in music before, which I haven't done in goddamn like eight years, so... I'm not claiming any authority there at all. Mm-hmm. Then you know already that I there's there's no way that I don't like this song. Um, this, as a matter of fact, this song kind of like it, it smooths out all of the. This this negates my issues with Good Day Sunshine. Like oh. it's 
I have to love this song. Like I, not only do it because I, I actually do, mm-hmm. but like, there's there's no reality where I am into the stuff that I'm into where I'm allowed to dislike this. <laughs> <laughs> but a tape loop is, it's like you get. It's a, it's a loop of tape that's a, a determined amount of time. So like uh, like, um, uh, answering machines used to the outgoing message used to be a tape loop, um, where it just keeps playing itself over and over again. The answering machines had a little magnetic thing at the end of the the message that would tell it to stop and rewind itself. Um, but if you have one of those old tapes, you have a tape that you can mess with and it's a tape loop which is really fucking fun um i turned my backyard into a jungle with one of those things Hmm. um so you get a bunch of those and what i especially love is if you get a bunch of them with varying lengths and you record different complimentary shit on like each one and you just press play (laughs) and I, I don't know if, if they used differing lengths. I know my... Yeah, Brian, you know, again, he's... That's where he made use of this stuff, um, famously with music for airports. Um, but if you have enough differing lengths of tape loops, you could, in theory, let something play for, like, hours and hours, and it is never actually the same thing. Huh. So... Interesting. Right. It's fucking awesome. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I would have never known that that's what this... I mean, obviously, I recognize that weird sound that's cool. Yeah. Um, in this tape loop. Okay. What else do you like about the song? Or what else do you think about the song? What are your thoughts? That... It, they close the album with the song. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So, <laughs> not... Yeah. <laughs> They they move past their closing with Dizzy Miss Lizzy and right. And they lear- they they. This is a good album, and they learned how to structure it well. And I think that like this being the end of this album certainly, I think, leaves the listener of 1987 to wonder, well, what's next? You know? Yeah. If, like this this is a great cliffhanger, um, and it leads to. All sorts of really, really fun shit that comes later. Um, And again, I have stated that my problem with the Beatles is that the cultural issue that I have with them is that we're expected to see them as relevant. Yeah. When really it's more like they're important. And I, I... I think the stuff that comes after this is this this song this song is is great this track is great yeah and but I love it more for what it opens up yeah. to become yeah um you ready to look up some stuff or should I do it uh, f- I got some songs mm-hmm rebuttals I don't even know about rebuttal it's not rebuttal it's like a uh, it's a it's a I, I feel like complimentary at some point it wouldn't be a bad idea and you might disagree, but I think we could do an episode of just influence stuff. Yeah. Um, what you got? Chemical Brothers, Ooh. Setting Sun, 
these motherfuckers they they owned my mid 90s mid right. to late 90s i i had a very brief musical trip this was like maybe last year a couple of years ago um I last year when i was like i went down this chemical brothers esque hole some um i don't know i got, I got into beep. like big like hot chip and then like which like let me down like the '90s, Chemical Brothers, and some other. Did you ever hit any Aphex Twin on that? Yes. Nice. Um, didn't last very long, but I was still open to it. It's just stuff like, oh, I, this is a part, a part of me, a part of my musical brain that hasn't really been hit before, other than maybe with Prodigy. Right. Yeah, um, and that Prodigy was the bastardization of that style of music, which was called Big Beat, I think. Mm. Um, which Big Beat is a style of music where it's all about breaks in stuff like you'll hear probably in this song too like it starts out as a thing and it's driving 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 and then it stops and it becomes another thing okay so here's a setting sound by the chemical brothers i mean that that drum beat has been sampled so many times and for good reason Oh, Chemical Brothers. What happened? Chemical Bros. What happened? Um, more about um, Tomorrow Never Knows track. McCartney is the one who introduced the innovative use of tape loops, played mm. backwards, slow down, or sped up. Uh, he was inspired by the electronic music of Luciano Berrio and Carl oh, Heinz yeah. Stockhausen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have to play some Stockhausen now. <laughs> he's quoted as saying we did it because I for one am sick of doing sounds that people can claim to have heard before right so there you go I love uh, Barrio is one of my f- I don't know one of my favorite composers but he's written one of my favorite pieces of music ever it's Symphonia um, that, and uh, that song is that piece of music is fucking fantastic yeah um, but <laughs> Remind me who the other one was again. Stockhausen. Stockhausen. Carl Heinz. Please, please look up some Stockhausen. <laughs> should we? Yes. Okay. Yes, we should. Because we're getting into a place... <laughs> Hi, Derek. <laughs> we're getting into a place where... <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that the Beatles are doing and that John Lennon's trying... Like, all this experimental shit that they're trying to do. Um, and they're kind of like just grazing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like there's another side to it. There's an, there's the actual the, like the actual stuff, and that right. that's going to deserve some airings here. So here's Carl Heinz Stockhausen's Clavier Stuck Five, work number four. Is this the guy that you were thinking of? Yeah, yeah, it is. There's one where he, I think it's, I think it's the Clang one. I'm not sure, though. This one? Yeah. All right, we'll try Clang, DA24, I don't know. Here we go. (laughs) 
What in God's name? <laughs> We're going to skip ahead to the middle of the Serialism is a hell of a drug. <laughs> a lot of silence. Okay. That's uh, yeah. enough of that. Uh, there's a, so, s- s- Sorry, serialism. Derek. Oh, no. That's, that's, oh, shit. He has a song called Pisces. We're going to listen to that real quick. Okay. I'm sure he wrote it after my indie film Pisces on YouTube. You don't have to watch it. It's not that great. You realize everyone listening is going to watch it now. Stockhausen. You know, at first listen, you don't like it. <laughs> don't even try. But... After a while, you start to really like his music, and doctors have called that Stockhausen Syndrome. (laughs) 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 Thank you. God damn it. God damn it. (laughs) All right. How dare you take that low-hanging fruit from me? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so serialism is, is an interesting thing. Because there's a thing that happens in the 20th century with classical music. I'm going to get some details wrong, and I apologize. Uh-huh. Um, where people come along, and they're like, hey, you know, um, this all this whole pretty music thing that we had going on? Well, yeah, that's all fun. But we just fought two world wars and saw like the ugliness of life unleash itself. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> We're going to make the ugliest music that we possibly can. And in order to do that, we're going to develop a method called the 12-tone method, a.k.a. possibly, again, I'm, hi, Derek, um, <laughs> serialism, uh, where you're not, you, you're not allowed to repeat one possibility until you've exhausted all the other possibilities. So to speak, so you make like a system for yourself where you start with you you have a finite amount of choices, right? And you can like systemize the choices and then make a, a matrix where the choices never repeat in the same way ever, and it just keeps going and going, and that's how you get that shit. Mm. And so Stockhausen actually he also made a piece of music where. I, I think this is pulling from memories from like six years ago or longer. Um, he got he got a recording of a of a child singing or a child speaking, and he serialized that by cutting it into chunks. And I was trying to look it up because that's <laughs> that's probably delicious as well. <laughs> this this is a weird area that we're in, and it's it's. It, I'm so glad we're finally here. Let's get out of it. <laughs> Let's go back to your list. Right, of, right. Of okay, stuff okay. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. The, by the way, yes. the, uh, tomorrow never knows the close of the album, but it was the first one they recorded in the studio. Um, so might have set a tone there. Oh, you said the first one? Yeah, I like that as yeah. a narrative. Um, Whenever got- in doubt, turn off your mind, relax, float downstream. It is not dying. It's part of the lyrics, also from that book. Um, it's pretty cool. I like that. Um, as far as putting like creepy sounds or whatever in there, let's look at some Boards of Canada, a song called Gyroscope. Heroscope. Heroscope. From Boards of Canada. 
Boards of Canada, one of, very underrated. One of Marty Burtwell's <laughs> bands, I'm sure, <laughs> since he is Canadian. I love this band. What's fun about Boards of Canada and about what ends up coming out of that track or out of uh, Tomorrow Never Dies <laughs> um, is you get all these people later, whether they know they're influenced by that song or not. And rather than lumping all of the experimental, weird, overdubby, tape loopy shit into like one or two songs this becomes an entire career for people. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> so, you could make an entire piece of music just about this feeling with that who-the-fuck-knows-what's-happening sound clip behind it. It all of a sudden becomes just about that moment and that moment of discovery and, and like, uh, mystery, you know? Hmm. And this, and that's why I love ambient music. <laughs> yeah, it's disturbing. No, that that's what they're trying to do. They're fucking with you in a place where it's intended to be nostalgic, but also intended to be somewhat terrifying. Like the warm scents are supposed to be this like nice soothing. Like they base their entire sound off of a logo for a. Uh, a PBS station in Boston that I can't think of the name of. Um, again, hi, Derek. Um, and <laughs> that alone is fantastic. But then they, they make this music that is like, they, their most recent album is a, uh, it's a soundtrack to an imaginary Italian horror film from the late 60s. <laughs> sure. It's, it's fucking great. Yeah. This just deep conceptual shit. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to pause on that. Right. Because it's hitting something in my subconscious that it's, makes it's, me... it's exactly what it's supposed to do. You know what? It's, it's, it's like a little... It's like a when a, a fly gets in your ear. Right. The bzzz, right. That's what it sounds right. like. And that's, but that's, that's, their whole, that's their whole thing. And yeah. I'm not saying that you should like it or not, but like, if you are experiencing that, it. then you're experiencing like what they're wanting you to experience. Um, if we want to get into more like tape loopy stuff, um, you know what? We're going to deep, we're going to dig deep into some Brian Eno, Uh Brian Eno on land second track on land, not on sea. For the record, this is one of my favorite Ambient albums. 4, yes. colon, on yes. land. Yes, I would appreciate you use the full title, sir. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, us Eno heads use the full title. That's true. That's, that's actually probably very true. What's uh, What do the fans call it, Brian Eno? Um, Eno doubters? Because there's no doubt that we love Brian Eno. <laughs> Enodians? I think, no, I think there is a, actually a name. Enoch? That was a cat. Um, or was it a loop? We're doing our own Tomorrow Never Dies. Lives. The Lost Day is the second, the second yeah. track. Here it goes. It's a, it's a fader in her. 
you're making it really difficult for me to edit this. Sorry. I might just have to use this track as the track. So a lot of this is tape loops. Granted, he made all of the, as far as I know, he made all of the tape loops himself. Not to say that the Beatles didn't, but it's uh, it's not all found sound, is what I'm saying. This this album, if any anyone's curious about whether or not ambient music can be fucking terrifying, <laughs> listen to this album, put some headphones on, and have those nightmares. I don't think anyone doubts that, or doubts that it can be terrifying. If anything, it's the only, it's one of the only types of mu- music that can be terrifying. Cause Probably because it's, it's this mood, right, right, rather than just you know these melodies and harmonies, right. I mean, it's like we're in a horror food, horror movie, right? right. Now. It's it's it is. It's like it's like an actually the best compliment I've, that I've gotten from stuff that I've done is like <laughs> like it's like a horror movie but where the bad thing never actually happens mm, it's mm-hmm. just constantly waiting for it right so if you imagine each individual piece potentially I don't know that this is necessarily the case but I know that a lot of some of this went into this where you have oh no <laughs> so I recovered from my Stevie Wonder experience <laughs> <laughs> I think you've been chasing it ever since, my friend. <laughs> it's very likely. <laughs> um, Life is just us repeating our traumas. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> probably. I mean, my therapist does listen to this, so... <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> if she has any concerns from the previous two, <laughs> two episodes... The Rubber Soul episodes, she's welcome to tell me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I encourage it. But yeah, uh, I'm sure that that's true. Um, but well, yeah, this is, uh, this. at least part of this is that series of tape loops where you have like something very short, something very long, and a bunch of stuff in between. You just yeah. press play on all that shit, it'll make itself. So a, uh, just an example of some prime tape looping here. Is what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. Tape Loop Emporium. All right. No? <laughs> All right. I'm going to pause that track. Right. All right, Daniel. Uh, we're going to close this episode out soon. Um, yeah. I, uh, it's safe to say that we both enjoyed Revolver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, find some things to like about it. Uh, the, the Beatles are starting to get more experimental in the studio and you're starting to appreciate that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it was a, uh, sort of a revelation to me just because, you know, I knew that album was out there. I just had never given it a, a full listen. You mean a revolver relation? Yes. That's <laughs> exactly what I mean. Um, I'm not going to not make that joke. Yeah. Sorry. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the, yeah, I, I, like I said, this might be, up to this point in their career, uh, my fav- my favorite album of theirs. So, yeah, it shows me that they're capable of putting together a collection of songs that I mostly like. 
Um, I don't know what that means for the rest of this. Um, what do you mean? I, I, I really don't know if... I don't know. I don't know. I'm keeping an open mind. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't have to know. You don't have to look forward to the future. Just... I, I, I think I am still... I think... Well, I'm not going to speculate at this point. Let's not speculate. Let's not... Um, crystal, crystal ball. ball. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, by the way, why was the name Revolver? Like, why oh, did that's they, a really good question. Why did the... Uh, I, sh- I should have um, looked that up. I'll look it up now. I think... Uh, the re- well, it's it could be in response to the record, the tape loops. right? Yeah, or this is, so the record obviously revolves or goes round when it's put in the player. Oh yeah, the record revolves. Also, there's tape loops in it, so that also revolves. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I could see them coming together and saying, "Well, it loops, and there's tape loops, and the record moves, and we're fucking high, and why not?" Yeah, <laughs> Ringo's yeah. to the it, it jar just, of paste. And- yeah, <laughs> it just has to do with the the record revolving, so that's why they called it revolver. There you go. Dan, yeah. Do you love the Beatles? Nope. I appreciate aspects of them. Do you like them more now than you did a year ago? I have a more nuanced view of them. Mm. I still am up against this idea that we need to celebrate the anniversary of every release of every record. And... Again, it's not the Beatles' fault. Um, I'm in an interesting place with my relationship with the Beatles. Mm. But we're still... There's still more garbage than not garbage, in my to my estimation. Okay. Hey, that was an honest response, and I appreciate it. I have... Uh I don't know. I didn't tell you, but I have a guest. Oh no! <laughs> Hello, Dane. It's me, Ringo Starr. <laughs> Ringo, you, you made it out of that. I'm eating some Elmers. I had a <laughs> had a light lunch. I got to get my snacks in. <laughs> I have a I have a jar of marzipan. Are you into that too? Or is What's marzipan? Oh, it's this weird, like pasty, like substance that's just, like it's a Prussian era. Oh, I'm I'm so, more of a is it just I'm more of a glue man myself. Got it. Did you hear Yellow Submarine? I did hear Yellow Submarine. I was singing on that track. I'm, you know what? I'm really proud of you, Ringo. You're doing oh, really thank well. Thank you so much. I, uh, how's your health? My health is fine, you know. That's good. I'm getting my doctor recommended uh, eight quarts of Elmer's glue per day. (laughs) That's really good. So I'm hitting, you know, I'm exercising. Your your doctor's okay with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's fine with it. What's the doctor's name? Uh, Dr. Robert. Uh, Okay. We need to have a talk about this guy. Huh? It's it's, uh, Dr. Dr. Robert? Dr. Robert, he knows. Does he give you a lot of pills? He gives me whatever I need. Pills. Does he tell you that the the pills are glue pills? Yeah, he does. Okay, we need to talk. We need to talk about this guy. Hey, you ever think about you ever you ever, you ever look around and just think we all live in a yellow submarine? You know, I I do, and I actually there's someone here that I think would like to talk to you about that. Who's that? It's uh, Tom Waits. Come on in, Tom. <laughs> Hey, Ringo. Tom. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Would you like some hey. Elmer's glue, Tom? Yeah, did you get that from Ralph's? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. They got good deals on glue. I didn't know they sold glue. Hey, that's a Kroger brand. Oh. I'm still from the South. Yeah, you're from Louisiana. I'm still working in a Jim Jeremy's film. Tom, do you know Paul McCartney? Who? Paul uh, McCartney. Paul, Paul McCarthy? He's a singer for the Beatles. That guy makes cool art, Paul McCarthy. No, McCartney. His brother, Paul McCartney? I may, maybe. I just wonder if he have his phone number. I can't get a hold of him these days. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that's supposed to be on the down low, brother. Oh, come on now. <laughs> Sound like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I love the WWE. You know what I love is over the top. Have you ever seen that movie? I've seen all the sliced loans flicks. <laughs> what you say we get we get some paste and watch over the top? All right, let's go. <laughs> all okay, right, y'all. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> God, he, maybe he'll leave my apartment finally. I don't. I doubt it. Yeah. No. Nope. He's roaming through through my DVD collection. Yeah. Yeah. I do own that movie. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right, Ben. Uh, ben. Dan. Ben. Dan. <clears throat> uh, the band. Dan. Dan. Band. Um, that's oh, it boy. for uh, today. And that was uh, that was a fun dive into the mm-hmm. Beatles revolver. Mm-hmm. So, till next time. Adios. Love you. Bye. Bye.